Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Innovation and civic engagement are important elements for a thriving community and country. Fostering an environment where people can learn to be innovative and supported in contributing to their community requires a multitude of different programs and organizations. The organization in Canada that works to connect these efforts and develops programs that impact and unite people across Canada is the Rideau Hall Foundation. The Rideau Hall Foundation is a nation-building charity that was established to amplify the impact of the Office of the Governor-General. This is a platform to connect people, causes, and organizations, which, while they all exist for different purposes, share a common belief in and commitment to the potential of Canada. I'm joined by Teresa Marquez, the President and CEO of the Rita Hall Foundation, to discuss how they foster innovation and civic engagement across Canada. Thank you so much, Teresa, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. For those who may not be familiar with the Rita Hall Foundation, before we delve into more of the incredible work that you do on fostering innovation, can you first tell us a little bit about the Rita Hall Foundation and what you do? Yes, I'm happy to. So the Rideau Hall Foundation is a national charity based here in Ottawa, Canada, that's really focused on building a better Canada. So our work across four areas, and I'll get to those areas in a moment, is really about kind of igniting our shared potential, I think, as as individual citizens, really also as a country. And we do that through a focus on, on deepening Canada's culture of innovation, widening the circle of giving and volunteering, leadership development and the ethical leadership of our public institutions and equity as well as excellence of learning opportunities in the country. So quite a broad mix of areas, uh, but really all told, working to celebrate excellence in Canada and create the conditions for all Canadians to contribute and succeed really to their fullest potential. And you definitely have a broad area of work Mm -hmm. that you do in, in a very large country. But we're going to focus more on the innovation aspect, because you do do a lot in terms of fostering innovation across the country. But how do you define innovation? It's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but how do you think about it? Yeah, and and that's you, you raise a really good point, because what we're trying to do ultimately is kind of demystify innovation just to help. Mm-hmm folks, especially young Canadians, um, to see the see their own potential to innovate, uh, see innovation all around them, because at its core, innovation is really about doing things better. You know, it's as simple as um, improving a process um, or a product or designing something new. It, it can be technological, but it doesn't have to be. You know, we mm-hmm. focus a lot on, on social innovations, on community um, innovations as well. So it really is about, you know, how can we improve the life around us? We try to kind of bring innovation down to its most basic uh, level because we think that's how it can be accessible uh, to folks. Yes. And our work at the foundation, when it comes to really strengthening and fostering Canada's culture of innovation, takes kind of a three-prong approach. So we're working to celebrate innovation in all parts of the country and in all sectors, really. We're looking to connect 
innovators working across the country. I think, you know, as, as you said, it's a very big, it's a big country and we have a big mandate, but there is innovation that's all around us. I worry sometimes that, that innovators aren't necessarily talking to each other. And I think by, by nature, the fact that we're a large country, coast to coast to coast, potential is that we can be siloed and innovation can be siloed. So we're working to kind of break down those silos and connect innovators. And lastly, we're working to cultivate the next generation of innovators so that young kids and, and you know, high school students and university and college uh, age, age folks can see themselves as innovators, can see what that kind of pipeline and runway looks like. That's really important. It's such an important thing to see yourself in the incredible work that others are doing and to, to see that process a little bit as well. And as you said, demystify. I mm-hmm. like the way that you described innovation as solving problems. And those problems can be the smallest little problems, right? And often when you think about, especially as a young person, you think about someone who's an innovator or innovation, you think about something really massive and a really huge problem being solved by someone who's incredibly smart but actually it's looking at small problems every day Mm -hmm. that people can solve and find creative ways of solving so Mm -hmm. I I really like the fact that you're breaking it down into something that is much more approachable and Mm -hmm. and more more true to what actually is happening so for the past three years you and your team have run the Canada Culture of Innovation Index which looks at what Canadians believe and what they value about innovation. So it, mm-hmm. it kind of touches on this point of how people see innovation. So what have you found? Can you tell me a bit more yeah. about this index? Yeah, we really began this index because, as mentioned, you know, we want to kind of encourage and, and deepen uh, a stronger culture of innovation. But we felt that it was important um, to really have a sense of what did our culture of innovation look like um, at, at present? What's kind of our starting point? What's the baseline? Mm-hmm. So the goal of, of the study and the uh, sort of the ongoing nature of the index was to begin to measure um, how Canadians are thinking uh, about innovation. And that really gets down to sort of our culture when it comes to innovation. So, you know, it's heartening that Canadians value innovation. You know, I think not super surprisingly, but 44% of, of Canadians want innovation to drive economic growth, but they're also seeing it, um, you know, in tandem with economic growth, they're seeing it as, as driving and kind of working towards the common good. They're looking to looking to innovation to fuel not only growth, but also healthier people and a cleaner environment. So we're seeing this very close alignment between Canadians valuing innovation, both for the economic impact, but also for the kind of the social good um, that's around us. Mm. What, what makes it a little more, or what we're seeing as being a bit more problematic is that while Canadians seem to be valuing innovation, there's a bit of a disconnect um, in, in Canadians seeing their own role in driving innovation. So there's a there's a bit of a, a sense, it seems, and we're seeing this year over year, that, that everyday folks aren't seeing um, themselves as players in, in Canada's innovation ecosystem or their own responsibility for innovating in their own daily lives. And that worries us a little bit. So again, there's just valuing of innovation at a high level, but a sense that, you know, maybe it's not for me, or maybe I don't have a role in it. Do you think that's partially because it feels like such a huge topic that is so far away that you don't even know how to approach it? I think that's exactly it. I think it goes right back to that idea of, you know, needing to kind of demystify what innovation is and just we're working to really try to make it uh, more accessible. Hmm. And one way that we do that is through storytelling, right? I think that there is, and we're seeing this in, in this, in the index as well, too many Canadians are, are indicating about half or so that they're just not seeing stories of Canadian innovation around them. 
which surprised me. But I guess if you're looking for it, you know, you know, I, I feel like I see innovation everywhere. Yeah. Um, but maybe it comes down to sort of what, how we're framing innovation, what we're what we're calling it. But about half are saying that they're not seeing it around them, whether it's in the news or or in their schools even. And that's concerning. And I think I think there's a lot. I mean, on on the one hand, it's concerning, but on the flip side, it tells me well. There's a lot that we can do um, right. in this space around around sharing stories of incredible Canadian innovation, particularly uh, in schools. Absolutely, that is extremely important, and uh, and that it does surprise me as well because there is so much innovation happening in Canada, and really great stories. But I guess what you're hearing is that it needs to be told and amplified mm-hmm. uh, in different ways, or maybe more. So, have you seen anything that changed over the last three years that you've been conducting this index? So, every year you conduct the innovation index. Have you seen any trends or changes? Mm-hmm. Well, it was interesting, you know, uh, running the index during the time of the pandemic. You know, we weren't sure what to expect uh, in terms of how Canadians would continue to feel about innovation, mm-hmm. and it's it's heartening in some ways that you know not a lot changed in terms of Canadians continuing to value innovation, which I take as kind of a, a good sign and, and and just sort of a constancy, even though the country was in and the world um, has have, re- have really experienced such tremendous sort of hardship across mm-hmm. all sectors. Right. So I feel that there's a bit, of, a bit of hope in that. It was really interesting as well to see, particularly in, in um, 2020, how Canadians were shifting in their perceptions around innovation levels by government versus just the private sector. Oh. So I think Canadians did see um, governments really shifting how they were working quickly to respond to the needs of Canadians. So, so the government kind of response in terms of who's driving innovation did kind of increase during that first year of the pandemic, which okay. is good. That is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. And I mean, you're, you're saying that you're doing the innovation index to see how Canadians are thinking about innovation and certainly they want to see more of what is innovative. And are you getting a sense that people want to participate? You're saying that they can't find a way to participate, but do you think that there's a desire to? I think that there really is, you know, so a few years back we launched program called Canadian Innovation Week, mm-hmm. uh, which was essentially sort of a platform to celebrate innovation, again, at all levels of the country, in all sectors, and in all regions. And it takes time uh, for programs like this to gain momentum. And, you know, we, by necessity, we can't do it alone. So, you know, we, we, we created the platform, we created the space, we created the tools and, and resources and ways for organizations and communities and people to tell their stories of innovation. And we're seeing a huge uptake year over year. Just this past year alone, when we celebrated Canadian Innovation Week, it was a huge spike in terms of participation and, and enthusiasm. By the end of the week, in fact, I was getting messages from folks telling me about Canadian Innovation Week. Oh, and that sort of seemed like a success metric. Well, if, I'm, if, if it's landing in my inbox because <laughs> folks are, are sort of really leveraging and making it their own, that to my mind is, is total success. So hopefully that continues to grow. But I think to to answer your question, we are seeing that, you know, when when the resources and opportunities are there, Canadians do want to take part. And I I think it kind of, it responds to something that we're seeing at the foundation more broadly, which is that I think that we're all kind of looking for a more hopeful, positive narrative for the country. Like there is something hopeful and uniting about this kind of project. And I I think it speaks to me about, you know, what, what we're looking for as a means of kind of, you know, uniting ourselves as a country. Yes, it definitely 
I think everyone really does feel that for sure. And can you tell me a little bit more about the Canadian Innovation Week? So is it obviously you're sharing stories about Mm -hmm. innovation across the country. So how are people participating? What does that experience look like? Yeah. So, you know, we're really equipping organizations in particular, but people as well to join in the sort of the innovation conversation in May every year. So as part of the part of the week, we anchor sort of with the centerpiece, which is the Governor General's Innovation Awards program. But beyond that, you know, we really knew that if if we're talking about celebrating innovation and growing a culture, it's going to take more than one day in Ottawa. So Innovation Week was really designed to do that, to reach out to all parts of the country and to equip organizations and people, companies, government with the ability to tell innovation stories on the platform to to you know harness their own kinds of innovation focused events during that week as well to amplify the short the storytelling to shine a spotlight on what's happening in all parts of the country and to really build momentum kind of organically and again it takes time to do that but but what we've seen from just this past year alone is that uh, innovation week has arrived which is great that's good and so organizations are able to then have a conversation on the mm-hmm. platform and bring people and show them the innovation that they do is yeah. that the idea yeah that, that's the okay. idea and and benefit from um, additional promotion so a benefit from kind of the additional spotlight that we're able to shine on what they are doing mm-hmm. um, and what others across the country are doing around innovation in the country That is really, really good. And for individuals, for organizations and for schools, this must be Mm -hmm. such a great resource of showing what others are doing. Have you seen how schools are using it? Yeah. Again, so much of what we're, what we're doing is really trying to kind of cultivate that next generation Mm -hmm. um, of innovators. So a a new program we actually just launched last week that I'll talk a little bit about called Ingenious Plus. Uh, And it's focused on young people and encouraging young people aged 14 through to 18 to innovate, to solve problems uh, that they're seeing around them. So we're working with JA Canada to run the program, but it is coast to coast to coast uh, available for all students. Again, sharing stories of innovation, which is important. And we're able to do that through platforms like Canadian Innovation Week. But we also know that stories are not not it. Stories are not enough. Mm -hmm. So through Ingenious Plus, we're actually able to offer both financial uh, prizes. So there's a cash prize for students regionally as well as nationally um, and mentorship opportunities. Okay. And so I think when you put these pieces together, you know, you have the actual, the thing that, that young people can do through innovation or Ingenious Plus and the platform to kind of tell their stories through programs like Canadian Innovation Week. So the, the, the program launched again just last week. It'll be open to schools across the country at the secondary school level beginning in October and running through May. And it'll culminate in Canadian Innovation Week in May 2022. So all the pieces kind of begin to knit together. That is really fantastic. And and that's a, on a website or is it an app? It's on a website. Okay. So folks can visit our website at www rhf-frh.ca, RideauHallFoundation.ca uh, to learn more about all of these programs. And there's going to be links to all of these in the, in the show notes as well. That sounds really exciting. I mean, definitely young people need to know how to take that first step to innovate. So what are some of the, from all the work that you've been doing, what would you recommend to maybe teachers or young people on how they should start innovating if they want mm-hmm. to, to solve the problems that bother them? What would you suggest for them to do? Yeah, well, I'll take it kind of big picture and then small picture, but, but big picture, and I should have mentioned this, but as a bit of a precursor to 
our work to launch in Genius Plus, we did work with Nipissing University on a series of learning modules Mm -hmm. for classrooms. Again, these are for classes from junior kindergarten through to the 12th grade Mm -hmm. uh, to help teachers and educators bring innovation and the innovation cycle into the classroom at age appropriate levels. So these resources are again available through our website, free of charge, of course, for for teachers to to download and really integrate into the learning and and educate that they're doing in the classroom. So our goal is not to create a new program that's going to make it harder uh, for for teachers um, or harder to, to access, but really it's about just integrating an innovation kind of process into the learning and, and sort of curriculum that they're already prioritizing. So we hope that that's one way of doing it. We're really thinking about innovation as a mindset and how do you kind of bring it in to the problem solving and teaching um, that you're doing day to day. One piece that we emphasize kind of no matter what the age or stage is around the importance of collaborating. Um, something at sort of a more individual level or micro level is this importance of collaboration comes to innovation. And I think that's, it makes it more fun. It makes it more accessible. And I think, you know, we know that whether you are in kindergarten or high school or, you know, university or, you know, working in your, in your adult life, a real Mm -hmm. key to innovation is, is working with other people around you. So we really emphasize that innovation is not kind of a solo endeavor. It's really best when it's, uh, when you're bringing in other mindsets. Absolutely. That's true. And in the classroom, the, you do create a lot of classroom resources, as you said, Mm -hmm. it's there for teachers to use the resources Mm -hmm. and helping them to make it easy to integrate innovation into, into the curriculum. I mean, have you found any particular gaps that need to be addressed in order for students to learn to be more mm-hmm. innovative? What are mm-hmm. some of those gaps maybe teachers should be paying attention to? Well, I, I'm not sure that it's necessarily gaps in the classroom as much as it is outside the classroom. So we're really seeing and we're hearing from young people directly the importance of mentorship and the oh. importance of having the opportunity to learn from uh, someone who has done something interesting or cool. And valuable, isn't it? Yeah, to have that kind of that kind of coaching. And we know it, you know, adults working uh, in life. And uh, of course, it holds true that it's important for young people as well. So that's why we really tried to build a very intentional approach to include including and incorporating mentorship opportunities as part of the overall um, Ingenious Plus prize program. And is that somehow that a student can apply? How does that yeah, work? Yeah, so students will be uh, applying, there will be uh, regional as well as national um, winners. So it's, we're really looking to ensure that uh, young people kind of at all stages of the process are able to benefit materially from the program. It's yeah. not just kind of the, you know, the ultimate one winner at the top. So we're building it in such a way that there will be kind of stages along the process to connect students with, with mentors, depending on the area of focus that they have um, and depending on the work and the, the innovation that they're trying to, to achieve. Well, that will be really exciting, definitely for the students, but I'm sure even for the for the mentors. I mean, it's always so refreshing to have someone who is just starting out and giving their views and their perspective on a field mm-hmm. that you've been in for a long time. So it's I'm sure it's going to be a win-win for everyone. And what are some of the stories of innovation? I mean, we've talked about the prize. We've mm-hmm. talked about, is there any story that jumps out at you that is innovative and unique and interesting way that people have found to solve problems? Yeah, so I'm going to switch gears for a minute. Another program that the Rita Hall Foundation supports and has kind of been behind for the past few years is something called the Arctic Inspiration okay. Prize. 
and it focuses on providing seed funding for Northern-based innovation that is solving challenges identified mm-hmm. by Northerners to benefit the North. So it is really um, such an incredible litmus test annually of key issues, Mm -hmm. challenges identified by the North with Northern-based solutions. So I think about, I mean, every program that ends up um, being supported through the AIP is just so incredible. And it, it when I joined the Rita Hall Foundation and I discovered the AIP, it became kind of a, you know, a personal goal to help ensure that it was a better known program from coast to coast to coast. One project that really has always stood out for me is, is called Smart Ice. And it's the world's first climate change adaptation tool that integrates traditional knowledge, so Inuit knowledge of sea ice with advanced data acquisition and remote monitoring technology. So it's really kind of combining a technological approach with very traditional Inuit knowledge. And it's bringing young people into that equation and helping to train young people in both of these areas, recognizing that to solve the problem, you can't have kind of one way or another, uh, but really bringing traditional along with sort of technological knowledge to bear on the question. Uh, and that's a project that, again, won, uh, was a recipient of an Arctic Inspiration Prize a few years back, and it's just gone on to achieve so much and, and reach so many more people across the North. So I, I think it's a real Canadian success story. That's really good. Very interesting. It's the best type innovation, isn't it, when you bring together traditional, longstanding, mm-hmm. hundreds, thousands of years knowledge together with technology and helping to amplify it. Very much. And training young people in both of those approaches at the same time. So yeah, really excited to see uh, how that project's going to evolve and how, you know, just the ability that the AIP has to provide that kind of real seed funding Mm -hmm. support, um, hands-off kind of innovation funding to try Mm -hmm. and to fail as well. Because I think that's another piece that can really hamper innovation, right? This sort of fear of failure that can be limiting for so many reasons. But I think it's often just a a necessary piece of learning on the way to true innovation. Was it Edison that says, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a thousand different ways of (laughs) not getting to the to the goal but uh but it is a very important to remember that that failure isn't failure it's a continuous learning cycle and some things work and mm-hmm. some things don't and what you take out of it you're a bit closer to exactly. finding what you need exactly right? so what yeah. what kind of tips would you have for teachers in implementing these learning resources and helping their students mm-hmm. really understand these different concepts of innovation and how they can really participate i mean i think um very often it's just about equipping students and setting the right context for students to try to solve Mm -hmm. a problem together. So, you know, identifying kind of what is, what is the issue that you're looking to solve for and bringing groups of students to work together just to to see what kind of creativity emerges from that. And then nurturing those students Mm -hmm. along the way to thinking through, okay, well, this is the problem. Here's the range of potential solutions and then working through um, those options as they kind of come to a conclusion. So I think it's that that's very vague, I know, but I think it's really about kind of setting the right context for young people to yeah. come together, have a conversation around the nature of the challenge they're trying to tackle, and then to really just think creatively and ideally together about what kinds of solutions might be possible. That's, yeah, absolutely. And thinking back to what you were saying, that one of the things that you're hearing from the Innovation Index is that people don't really know how to participate and feel that this is a very far off idea. So in schools, Mm -hmm. definitely there's great teacher resources and great information. 
someone who's not in school, who's an adult and wants to really sees these problems that they want to make a difference. Uh, of course, participating in Innovation Week is a great way to, mm -hmm. to find out more. But maybe one or two tips, what would you suggest mm -hmm. for people on how they can try and tackle the problems that they see around them? That's it's it's a great question. I mean, I think even though we are working on trying to encourage young people, I think innovation really is for everyone. And it, it really is also kind of yeah. all around us. So I, you know, as much as I encourage my kids to kind of keep being curious about the world around you, think about the world that's just, you know, that beyond yes. yourself and beyond kind of you as an individual. I think the same applies to adults um, just to always kind of continue that to sort of nurture that kind of curiosity about the world that is around you and that innovation can be very small. It's not, you know, I think kids as well as adults need to kind of appreciate that, that innovation is just about making conditions yes. better. It can be very large scale or it can be really just immediate um, and mm -hmm. within your grasp. And are there resources and information at Innovation Week for adults as well that they can have leverage to bring their ideas to fruition? Very much. So it, it is really a national conversation that we're looking to to kind of foster during Canadian Innovation Week. So I think it's it's for organizations, but it's very equally for people of all ages. Wonderful. So one of the key pillars of the Rideau Hall Foundation is to promote civic engagement and giving across Canada. So how are you promoting and enabling people to be more innovative in how they give back to their community? So it's one thing to be innovative, but in being able to give back to your community, what are you mm -hmm. doing in that regard? Sort of a similar vein to what we're doing in innovation and, and really the message is that giving can happen in lots of different types of ways, very small and very large, and that uh, it is within the capacity of all of us uh, to give and that all acts of generosity count and are important. So, you know, we work on a program um, called Giving Tuesday, and this year it's taking place on November 30th, really giving people the opportunity to kind of harness the power of, of generosity uh, to give in their community and noticing that it's not, it's not limited to only financial donations, whether it's helping a neighbor, um, sharing a skill, um, or supporting th uh, causes through donations, every act of, of generosity really counts. And in terms of having the greatest impact, what do you mm -hmm. hope that people will do to have the greatest mm -hmm. impact in their community? What you know, I, I think it starts with it starts with yourself. And I think it requires taking a real intentional look about the impact that you want to achieve. So, you know, really ensuring that that we're having conversations with ourselves and with our families as well about about the problems that we want to tackle in our communities and recognizing there's lots of ways to tackle those issues, mm -hmm. whether it is through innovation, whether it is through giving, whether it is through leadership. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of different ways of kind of engaging in your in your community and in your country. So again, thinking really intentionally about the impact that you want to achieve, and then maybe taking a bit of that, you know, a bit of a, a page from the playbook of the innovation kind of cycle and thinking about, you know, what are the different ways to come at that problem? When, when people are thinking about giving back to their community, some ideas that maybe people are less aware of. There are lots of different ways of giving, obviously, in your community. There's, um, I think not enough Canadians are really thinking about uh, charitable estate giving. So thinking about, about their wills and thinking about the impact that might be possible 
by thinking about a charity in your will. And I know that seems sort of a long way off uh, for, for, for most of us, but you know, it, it is something that it's, it's a, a means of having a really incredible kind of longer term sustainable impact that goes beyond your day-to-day financing. We're working with an organization called the Canadian Association of Gift Planners on a program called Willpower um, that's looking to, to increase the number of Canadians who are leaving gifts to charities in their wills. And just by, by increasing the amount of, or the percentage of Canadians by just 3% who are giving to charities in their wills, as much as $40 billion could be raised in the next 10 years to support social causes. So it's a way of giving that is very often um, under the radar, but it's an instrument that's available to all of us. So it kind of speaks to that notion that giving does not necessarily just the grand kind of philanthropic major gift uh, kinds of um, opportunities that are having impact. It's taking measures like this to be really intentional about the causes you care about, the impact that you want to achieve, and looking at the complete sort of set of tools uh, within your own personal kind of toolkit. And estate planning is one of those tools. A huge variety of different things that you can do. And and you're promoting Giving Tuesdays Mm -hmm. as a way of either helping your neighbor, helping an organization in your community, or thinking about something uh, more long-term, like like an estate. Mm -hmm. Very much. Yeah, that's really, really good. And have you heard of interesting things that people are doing on Giving Tuesdays? It has really been uh, just a global movement that that's taken off. And again, it's the, the best thing that you can see is when people or companies or organizations can kind of take it and make it their own. So mm. what we're starting to see are a lot of companies kind of getting their whole um, you know employee base behind Giving Tuesday okay. or doing really special things to kind of get involved in causes they support. But then you're also right. seeing kids putting up signs in the window around Giving Tuesday, sh- sort of sharing messages of, of hope to, oh, to neighbors. Great. So it, there, it really is a, a very broad range of, of acts of kindness. That's really good. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. We definitely need that. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and even as you said, putting up a message of just to put a smile on someone's face is, is a very, very important thing. So there's a lot of wonderful work that is happening around the country, and you're really shining a light on it through the Rideau Hall Foundation on innovation and giving across the country and, and really promoting innovation. Since you've been leading the Rideau Hall Foundation, have you had any changes in how you think about innovation? How have you changed as, mm-hmm. as your work has progressed in this field? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think something that I've that that has really kind of struck a chord with me, and I think it impacts not only the work that we're doing across all of our areas at the Rideau Hall Foundation, but I think it's impacted me kind of more fundamentally um, as a leader of the organization of a, of a national charity. And again, it comes down to this issue of, of collaboration and of just the, the magic that can happen when people of, of differing viewpoints come together uh, to tackle problems. And so as broad as our range of portfolios is, uh, it is this ultimate goal to kind of bring together committed organizations and people who are working in different ways to solve problems, Mm -hmm. to offer kind of a platform or way for them to come together across sectors and across regions. Because I I recognize that we have sort of a unique vantage point, again, as a national uh, organization that is a bit agnostic um, Mm -hmm. in terms of, of the different tools that are in our toolkit. So it's just been so rewarding to have the chance on a daily basis to meet with Canadians who care so deeply about making this country better, more equitable, kinder, safer, healthier, and to try to offer them sort of a platform to to deliver uh, on the work that they want to achieve. 
that's such an important work to really bring people together because we have so much information and so much interesting work happening in the world. But the biggest problem is not being able to connect it in a cohesive, meaningful way mm -hmm. uh, for people to really communicate with each other and to learn from each other. So you're, you're doing a, a, a great job in that. And that's such an important thing to do. Before we end, I wanted to ask you about what is next for the Rito mm -hmm. Hall Foundation. I mean, you're working on a lot of different programs and <laughs> we've only touched on the innovation aspect and the giving aspect. But of course, people can find out more on the website. Mm -hmm. But what is next for Rito Hall? Yeah. So, so thanks for kind of setting up that question. I'll just touch on a, a few things that are kind of coming down the pipeline and, and kind of gaining steam for us. Um, one is to expand a program that's called Catapult Canada, mm -hmm. which is really around uh, learning equity and innovation of learning strategies. So this is a program that we launched this year. And again, we'll continue to grow uh, next year as we support more youth serving organizations and, and really looking to kind of fund and fuel innovative strategies to eliminate barriers for young people to pursue their learning goals. Um, the second is an effort uh, to really encourage, again, innovation in how training is happening to encourage more Indigenous teachers into the teaching profession. So really looking to kind of grow a much uh, more representative cadre of, of Indigenous teachers in Canada. And third is uh, a program or a work piece of work that we're undertaking to revamp um, a relatively new program that's come into the RHF family called the Forum for Young Canadians. And this is a, a youth kind of democratic learning program to help young people understand how, how the functioning of Canada's democracy works mm -hmm. um, and to engage with our public institutions. So Forum is a program that, that has a 40 year history and has recently just moved into the RHF's home. Um, so we're taking some time to kind of rethink, you know, how can we help ensure that going forward, Forum is more accessible to more young people, that we're responding to how young people want to learn today and to create more kind of meaningful engagement opportunities uh, beyond maybe just a, a one-time learning uh, effort. So really think about kind of civic engagement and leadership learning um, in more of a year-round kind of way. So those are just three highlights of, uh, of some of the work to come. Amazing. They sound fantastic. And, you know, it's going to be wonderful to have those resources for people to be able to have and, and leverage in their classroom, but also with their families and, in their and individuals yeah. in their lives. So that's really good. Well, thank you for sharing that. Before we end, I just wanted to ask you, I ask every guest about recommendations. <laughs> so do you have any recommendations to read or watch something that mm. inspires you in this field? I mean, I, what I'm going to suggest, I suspect you've heard it before, um, okay. but um, I'll say I'm, I'm really uh, into uh, Adam Grant's book, Think Again. Yes. Um, and that's, it's a piece I keep coming back to. So Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist and, and ultimately it's, it's just about the, um, kind of the, the importance of being open to changing your mind. Mm -hmm. And that is so key to driving better outcomes, driving more innovative outcomes. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. I think it can lead to better conversations. It can lead to better meetings. And ultimately I think just to, to more innovative outcomes when you don't go in with kind of a fixed mentality yeah. about uh, the outcome that you want to achieve and just how, how opening your mind can, can transform really any context. That's really good. I love that book. Very good yeah. book. And, and as you said, really important for everyone, including those who want to be innovative, but literally everyone, because we mm -hmm. seem to have this idea that we know already what the answer is, but it's so important that we keep an open mind. 
Really good. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate to hear more about the Rideau Hall Foundation and all the great work that you do and supporting innovation. And thank you very much, Teresa, for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Kinga. Love talking to you. Thank you.